as we mentioned last week, it ends unresolved, uh, implying that there is yet more to come, and indeed there is. I went backwards. Last week, a uh, real brief kind of recap. Things that, whether you could glean it out or not, things that I wanted you to take away. Um, that the future story event process uh, drive is just that. It is a, a process. And it is, we believe, God-driven. Uh, I think I made the point last week that, that the discipleship team, and I believe the session as well, has, has really focused this whole thing on Scripture and really gleaned from Scripture um, the true sense of where God wants us to go. And I give them, um, give them an awful lot of credit for really sticking with that focus and making it happen. Um, the point, the simple point, we are each called into transformation. We, we, we looked at the, the word um, metamorphosis last week and noted that it is a process in scripturally that has no, no ending. Uh, the way the, u- the word is used, it's a, it's a progressive vowel or verb. It just, it is to continue. There is no finish point uh, to this. Um, what was her name? Now I'm going to forget her name. Mother Teresa wasn't finished. Now, of course, she's perfected in Christ, but even on her last day of work at the mission, she was not finished growing into Christ. Your pastors are not finished yet growing in Christ. We've got a long way to go, actually. No one in this room is finished growing in Christ. It is a lifelong journey. Uh, we talked about membership versus call. Uh, are we members of an institution? Or uh, have we been called to something different, something bigger, something uh, a little less controllable, perhaps? We might call the spirit. Um, given not so much um, the privileges of membership, but the duties of call. Um, you know, membership has its privileges. Was that the Visa logo? What was it? Something, yeah, membership has its privileges. Well, church life has its responsibilities, its callings, and that's what we hope to grow into. And I, and I mentioned, and I, and I hope I'm, I'm really clear here, that this is not a forced march, that God truly does have a plan and a way for each of us. And each of us perhaps will, will enter into the journey uh, as we feel called uh, or better put perhaps as we discern the call that is there even presently. Um, So if we take those things um, out of last week, we're in a good place for this week. Um, Why am I keep going backwards and forwards here? There we go. So this week, we will be talking about ever-deepening faith. 
concretely, by the way, and church organization, which may sound dull, but it's exciting as all get out to me. And I think it will be to you, too, once you see exactly what that means. Uh, next week, we will talk um, specifically about call and ministry. That's the other concrete piece for all of us here, the sense of call. And then, of course, we missed September 30th because we we blessed with the presence of Tony Campolo. And I um, want to encourage you all to take that opportunity to invite family members, friends, neighbors to, to come experience not only the, the wisdom that he will share with us, the, the faith wisdom that he will share with us, but also uh, the wonder of this fellowship, this gathered uh, community. Uh, then we meet again on the 7th, and it is about now. We'll get into that then. I don't know if you can read that well. There are three words at the top, which I meant to be rather hazy. Can anyone read them? Submit, surrender, yield. I didn't make it hard enough. Um, I didn't want those out there in bold because they are words that scare us, uh, especially in our culture. Uh, and yet, as, as you listen to, to Pastor Wendy proclaim the gospel this morning, uh, those three words are front and center, uh, taken from the gospel lesson. Um, and I just, I love this passage from James. Uh, it, it, it's where, and maybe it's because it's where I am, but I'm, I'm, I'm praying to God that I'm there because I'm supposed to be leading you folks there, and, and um, I guess we'll see, but uh, as James writes, God yearns jealously for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That idea of submitting yourself to God, an incredibly reformed understanding of what the faith is about. God is sovereign. Not just over some things in our lives or the little areas over here, but over all of it. And, and, and how are we able, or how do we go about handing that over um, submitting to it, surrendering to it, yielding to it, especially we Westerners. Um, it's hard. It's hard for us uh, because it's not a call, as I said, for, for simple things here and there. It's a call for, for all of life. St. Benedict wrote a rule. It's not even 100 pages long. It was written for a, a group of guys. Um, some of them were serfs. Some of them were noblemen, um, peasants, middle-class craftsmen that had come together and decided they, they wanted a life together a life together grounded in faith. And they wanted a teacher who was to be St. Benedict. Uh, and we're talking now the sixth century. So we're talking very early in the tradition of the church. Um, this little booklet, The Rule of St. Benedict, uh, is a spiritual pathway of sorts. 
it lists out um, w how one behaves in community. Um, how one behaves in a way that empowers everyone in the community to deeper faith. Um, it incorporated every aspect of our lives, our leisure, our work, um, our, our calling. Everything about our life is addressed one way or another in the rule of St. Benedict. Now, the discipleship team, many of whom are sitting right up here, realize that if they use that idea of rule or discipline, another word we often use for a, a written uh, codification of how people are to live together, a, a, a discipline, that we weren't going to get very far with you. Um, because we love freedom. We love liberty. Um, and yet you might guess that, that he means this in the very best sense of the word, rule or discipline. One of the very early callings of the team was to create a rule or a discipline for Christ Presbyterian Church. In one sense, it answers that question, what is expected of us? Um, how are we to be members here in Christ Presbyterian Church? And I can imagine at the very beginning here, you're thinking, oh, that means we have new rules and higher expectations and bigger pledge cards. Um, I don't think that's the case. I still think it revolves and around and lives in the area of invitation and takes us to, to a place where we might all feel closer to one another, uh, encouraged by one another, challenged by one another as we move together to deepen our faith in Christ. Um, anybody over here have anything to say about the process so far? Yeah. All right. I'm trying to remember if the next slide is the one I'm... Oh, I just like the slide. <laughs> All creation. All creation. We nixed rule, and we nixed <laughs> discipline, and we went with daily graces. Um, so I hope most of you have a copy of this somewhere. There are a few copies left here. If, if you are part of a twosome, could you share, uh, if at all possible? Um, and we're not going to read this, we're not going through it bit by bit, but we're going to lift some things up from it, and um, just to, to understand that, that there is something in our life together that, that is rhythmic, that um, follows a season, 
We know that, we know we're a liturgical church. We know we read from the lectionary or we follow the lectionary. Um, that our life together is built on a cycle that begins um, the first Sunday of Advent and wraps up on Christ the King Sunday. You know, the Sunday before we hit first Advent again and through that we study the whole life of Christ um, from beginning to end. Um, from glory to death to glory. Uh, and in the midst of that, we also, you know, come into the Old Testament stories uh, as, they, as they kind of work to take us to the promise that Christ was who Christ is to be. So right now we're talking about rhythms. Um, CPC, Rhythms of Discipleship, A Way Towards Continued Transformation. Underneath, prayer, worship, Bible reading, rest. What you're going to find in here is this. And what you're going to find in your order of worship every week from now on is a box that looks just like this. It's in there. It's in your order of worship for today. You will see it. And it's in here, isn't it? It isn't. Oh, oh. Oh, see these first people, these first worship people, they've got it. You know, a typical order of worship. We've gone back for, for some time with the columns remembering to remind us what worship is about, what we're doing, when we're doing it. Anyway, at the end of, of every week, uh, week's order, you will find a box like this. And that box basically um, is an instrument by which we as the people of Christ Presbyterian Church will enter into a rhythm of life together, not simply on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday as well. Oh, it's right here. Yeah. Voila. I, I just Eric. like to add He's Eric. one thing. Um, I worked with all the wonderful people on the discipleship um, team. And if we go back to your original, um, the, the James statement where passage. we say, passage where we make ourselves available to God and, and then he will draw us closer to him. In a way, this, this is the mechanism that right now we're recommending that that happens. And the other metaphor that I like to, to use is that our relationship with God is just like our relationship with everybody else. You have to work at it. You have to make yourself available. And this is the way that we do that. So you do different things with your family or your spouse. You spend time with them. You do certain things to strengthen your relationship and to strengthen uh, your friendships and those kinds of things. You have to do the same thing with your relationship with God. So being an engineer, I like things very concrete. So this is a way to do that. And this isn't the only way to do that. There are many, many, many ways to do that. But this is where we are recommending that we start for now. And then to, to kind of see the, the, the road ahead, um, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but we're kind of recommending this for maybe from now until Advent. And maybe at Advent we'll have some more things along the journey. And then at Lent we'll have some more things. So this, as, as you said, this, there's no end to this. This is another tool to strengthen our relationship, but these are concrete ways that we can, as a community, uh, participate in something 
um, you know, and it follows electionary, so we're, we're also following um, Christians around the world as, as we're doing this, so that kind of increases our idea of community. So I just wanted to add Very that. Very good. Thank you. Um, many of you I know do devotions every morning. Um, I can look out here and see people that I know every morning do devotions. Some of you do it as a couple. Um, in a sense, I think we're asking you to add this to it. For the meantime. And if you look at it closely, what you'll begin to realize is, and I should have put the words at the bottom, worship should have been first, actually. Because you will recognize that as you go through this, in other words, this no longer gets put in the recycle bin on Sunday morning. You take it home with you. So if you're like me and do devotions in the morning, you follow our worship. And you pray the call to worship. If you so choose, you can sing, take, oh, take me as I am. I do. You offer a prayer of adoration. You offer your prayer of confession. You receive the pardon. Um, and then you move into Scripture. And what you will see in your order of worship are four different Scripture passages, two of which you will read twice. You'll read one a day. Those are the lections for the upcoming Sunday. Um, two of which will be read twice, most likely those that will be preached on. Um, so throughout the week, we are all, as a family, worshiping together individually in the way that we know how, in a way that is part of the rhythm of our life on the Sabbath day. Um, we will become, if we're not already, more familiar with Scripture reading. Um, for those of you who, who have understood the Scripture as your constant companion, um, this will be a, a wonderful exercise of back and forth and, and putting things together, putting one lesson together with the next and integrating everything. For those of us who are, are on the, the beginning edges of this, it, this becomes an incredible way to learn your scriptures. Um, you know, find, where's Jeremiah? Where is James, by the way? Is he before or after Hebrews? Who knows? Before or after Hebrews? After Hebrews, yeah. Very good. Um, so it becomes a way that we can become familiar with Scripture and become comfortable with our Bibles, if we're not already. Um, we move into to a time of quiet listening, of prayer. You can read the Scripture several times, and, and you'll find often that that becomes a prayer. Um, you can lift up the names of those you love. You can lift yourself up as you have your own needs. But this becomes prayer practice. Um, in, in the way of meditation, it also becomes rest. We are away from the hurriedness of our day. We are, and those of you who, who do this every day, you know that when you are done with your devotions, there is a there is a calm. 
It's the only way I can put it. There's a, there's a, there's a calm, and I'm prepared to go back out that door. Um, and hopefully better prepared to live my life of faith. Um, so in this, we, we are practicing what you'll see in, in, the, um, in the rhythms, the daily graces. You'll see the things that the team thinks we're truly being called to grab a hold of right now. This isn't hurting very much at all, is it? This isn't all that painful. Um, so that is, that is probably the first and foremost, the, the most concrete way that we can all begin to enter into um, a deeper relationship with Christ. As Eric said, if, you know, when Jeannie and I are at our worst, you can always count on the fact that I've been working too much or that she's been working too much or that the kids have demanded too much of our time and we have not had time together. That's when there is an explosion. And she's tough. <laughs> no, she's not. Um, and we know instinctively that it's time for a date, <laughs> it's time to go out for dinner alone, it's time to take a walk, it's time to sit out on the porch, it is time to reconnect. And then it is well with my soul. Um, same thing here. It is well with the soul, it is also refreshed uh, and lodges itself deeply in the soul as this happens day by day you will begin to, to see, feel, and acknowledge transformation as you enter into this. Give it time and you will feel, see, and acknowledge it. Questions about this? It's just a comment. Please stand. <laughs> um, I read a book uh, for school, The Spirit. I read a book for school, The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. It was written in the 80s, but um, I understand we're not calling it disciplines, we're calling it graces, but there is a good, um, I, I, and the idea good of rationale. disciplines is there's a good rationale for the idea of discipline because um, it should hurt a little bit. Um, because disciplines um, show that we recognize our need for God, so these mm -hmm. daily graces should hurt a little bit, um, and I hope that they they would, because we rec you know we often think, well, I do this and I do that, and all these spiritual disciplines makes me a better Christian than anybody else. That's not true. It's actually that if you take on disciplines and graces, you're actually understanding that you need God more fully, and so. Um, that, that's just my thought that I, I do hope it kind of tweaks us and and makes us try something that we're not trying otherwise because that's what it's, it, they're intended for, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and actually, again, uh, Wendy's sermon will, um, the sermon is on, on um, or the, the text today is on um, Jesus talking about following him, and that means um, taking upon yourself the cross. So, um, 
certainly the Christian who's been a Christian for a long time knows the role of suffering. Um, and in that sense, also the role, therefore, of discipline, of, of it hurting a little bit because it's calling us away from ourselves and we're, we're just so inclined to think about ourselves and be about ourselves. Um, I'll take that to the team and see if they want to change it. <laughs> they look confused right now, but hey. Um, but a very good point. A very good point. Any other questions on this? Yeah. Actually, they're in this week's bulletin. Um, no. Are they? Yeah. Right there. We'll sing it as we move into the sanctuary today. Um, and I will, I will tell you this, that, you know, the, the, I, I usually, I'm, I'm very comfortable with Tazay chants, so um, I know several, and so I'm not always using the same chant. And over time, I, I'm praying we all become familiar with simple centering songs like this, songs that really call us to, to center into what we're doing, whether it is worship or devotion um, or practice going out into the world. world. I, I, um, I have found myself uh, humming and singing Tazay chants while I'm driving to the hospital. I, I find myself repeating scripture as I'm on my way to the hospital simply because it focuses me. Um, this is the opening of the day focus or the closing of the day focus, depending on where you would choose to use it. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Oop, sorry, we gotta we gotta figure out a way to do this. I guess I just follow up with what Linda said that um, in this where they should be a little bit uncomfortable because we're talking about growth, right? So and th- there's a couple. If you if you read this, we're not going to go through it today, but um, the like the third, second, third, and fourth paragraphs on on the first page, we're, we're talking about growing. We're talking about some analogies that are like um, like a weightlifter or a runner. You can't just wake up one day and run a marathon. I mean, th- there might be a few people that can do that. Most of us can't. Right, you have to build up to it, and you have to get better at it. But it takes training, and it takes dedication, it takes intentionality, and in short, it takes work. Right, relationships take work. You have to put that in. There's some sacrifice involved with that. Right, and here we're sacrificing ourselves to the sovereignty of God, and so um, you know there is that uh, there's that idea of that this this should you know if if it's really really easy and we don't put any effort into it we're probably not getting the growth out of it that, that we, we may need. Just the same way if you just kind of let your relationships or your friendships go, you don't have to put a lot of work into them, but you might not have the, the kind of relationship, you know, that you, that you really want. So I just follow up. Pretty good. Thinking of a seed pushing the soil above it aside so it can move forward, um, it, it takes effort. Somebody said last week after it was over that... Um, Really, what they they thought we were trying to do was to address uh, address a complacency, and that's an interesting thought. Um, because we're you know, does it mean we were doing everything wrong before? It kind of went back to that question. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It, but it does mean that over time, we all become complacent, even in our faith. 
And um, so sometimes we may have to stretch and hurt a little bit to get those muscles back in, I was going to say fighting strength, but that's the wrong analogy, competitive, whatever. Okay. Um, you're going to find other things happening around the church. Um, the Tuesday morning Bible study I lead will be studying scripture differently this year. We talked about it this past week. Everybody's invited. You can all come 9.30, Tuesday morning, 9.30 to 11-ish. Um, typically, we study scripture for the purpose of uh, engaging our minds so that we can have command of the scripture or um, to reinforce Christian rules, uh, a, moral, a morality, to, to reinforce the morality that we have. Uh, both very valid and necessary ways to approach Scripture, but by no means not the only ways. So we will be in, in my study and, and in others that will become known, um, inviting us to, in, to approach Scripture differently. Always as the Word of God, always as the revelation of Christ, but um, how many here have ever prayed the Scripture? A couple hands go up. How many are familiar with uh, Lectio Divina? A method of studying scripture. Got one hand there, two hands there. Uh, who knows what it means to simply meditate on scripture? A couple hands there. Um, scripture is more than just history unfolding and um, doctrine in the making. Um, when we talk about the living word, we mean not only the power of the Spirit, but we also imply that the Scriptures themselves have a life and, and something to offer us um, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, above and beyond the mind um, and that, that sense we have of, of code, whether it's char character code or moral code. Um, to enter scripture as prayer is a whole nother glory given to us and, and it's one of those traditions that we have long lost in Protestantism uh, and probably in Catholicism too for that matter but, but it is lost and so it's a, it's a tradition we want to go back to. Um, it's a tradition that will help reinforce our relationship with Christ doing it again. There will be multiple opportunities for silent retreats or silent days. Um, one of the problems with our culture, of course, is what? That there's so much noise all the time. Yet the ancients, including Christ, went off to a lonely place, a quiet place, to get rid of the clutter to listen more intentionally and intently um, to God. He's very deliberate about it. 
um, should we be any less deliberate? And this can happen in a variety of ways. You can go off on a retreat where nobody says anything for days on end. Gives you just a, a glimmer of what the empty nest might be like. <laughs> you know? Um, we're going to try in the, the, it's not the four days in Advent, it's the four weeks in Advent, but we're going to take a day a week and suggest ways of just keeping silence as the, as the Advent hymn calls us to. Let all mortal flesh keep silence. Um, yeah. You have no television. You're communist. <laughs> you can be in your partner in your apartment for days. I can be in my apartment for days, and and I am, and I'm alone, except for my cat, and he meows when she meows when she's hungry, and I have learned. People say, "Don't don't you, you know, aren't you lonely?" No, I'm not lonely. I have had, because of situations too that have helped me go mm-hmm. get to get to this level but i am totally peaceful completely and totally peaceful and people have mentioned that that they see that yeah. in me and i says it's it's wonderful and if i want to have noise i just go outside you know or whatever open but a window <laughs> you know but i i do so i i understand what you're saying but i yeah. think the 20, 30 years ago, I, mean, I wouldn't have known, you know, I mean, what, be no television? You're sitting there by yourself and reading and yeah. listening to the silence, you know. Uh, so uh, I, th- I think you, you have to grow into that. You do. You have to discipline yourself to and it. It's your li- and it's a lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, you know. It, you know, I, I mentioned last week my grandmother, I think I did, was it last week I mentioned my grandmother who was blind at 82, she used to read her scripture every day, every day, all the time. Uh, then she went blind, she couldn't read her scripture. But you'd walk into her room, she lived with my parents, and find her at perfect peace. And in fact, uh, that was all prayer for her. She just was in prayer that whole time. Um, silence, um, solitude, some of us are likely to say, I don't want any, you know, I, my spouse died five years ago, I feel like I'm alone all the time, I don't want to be alone. Solitude isn't calling us to be alone. On the contrary, it's, it, its design is to help you discern the presence of another who is actually always there. But who we can't hear or feel or communicate with because we're so busy. Um, we will, we'll, you'll have opportunities for all this to move into these times and periods and seasons of quietness. Be a new emphasis in small groups um, because nobody can do this alone. 
um, or precious few can do it alone. There were the few hermits, but most who wanted this life moved into monasticism in which you lived with other people. You were not alone alone all the time. Um, but we as human beings need one another. And, and you know, I'm looking out at this room and I realize to, s- to some degree I'm preaching to the choir. But the reality is that even, even Pastor Dave, even Pastor Wendy, we need mentors. And we need to be able to mentor somebody else. We need somebody who will listen to us. I am in a small group. And I will tell you this. The pastor's life is not easy. You know, everybody has their, their difficulties and their, their hard times and their rough spots, but uh, as I get older, I begin to realize how difficult my job is. And my small group puts up with it with incredible grace and incredible mercy. I never have to worry about a word that I have said coming back to you guys. <laughs> um... Jeannie's dad died, you know now, six, eight weeks ago, and, and that group has been front and center in her life. And those of you in small groups, you're just shaking your head yes. You know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. Um, the small group is so ripe with opportunity for uh, mentoring, uh, to be mentored, to be loved, to give love, um, to hold one another accountable in, in the ways of the faith, um, to witness to the neighbors while the car's in the driveway last night. So simple, and yet there's a reason Jesus picked 12. Perfect number, not too many, can know everybody's name, um, and in fact, if you, if you look at it, this whole faith blossomed out of 12. Well, plus one. Well, plus three, actually. Um, by design, out of a small group. So we will see a new emphasis on this. If you're not in a small group, uh, you will not be assigned a group, you will not be forced into a group, but... And on this note with the small groups. We all know Dick had no family. He has a brother, but no children, no spouse. And we're quick to say, you know, well, the church was his family, and it was. And he does have children, <laughs> probably a couple thousand. Um, but when it came right down to it, these last several months in his small group that have cared and tended to him beautifully. Um, If we are moving towards spiritual wholeness, then we all have to understand there are roadblocks in our way. Some would say, in fact, that there is incarnate evil in the world that that deliberately put
puts roadblocks in your way. Emotional scars, psychological wounds, historical events that are the roadblocks. And I think most of us know intuitively enough that unless some of those are addressed, each in their day and in their way, that we become stunted. And I'm trying to think of the word that Freud used. He talked about not really, well, repressed. You stop at a stage. Maybe it wasn't Freud. I'm getting all confused, but pardon? Erickson. And what happens? You you what? You don't progress. You get stagnant. You whatever the word is. You there's a word, and I'll come up with it as soon as class is dismissed. Um, Peter Scazzaro um, has written a book that we've been using. Wendy and I preached on it a year ago. Um, wonderful opportunity for us to find a healing or a way through some of the scars and the histories and the events that, that call us to, or force us to kind of stop where we're, where we're heading. Um, and instead of surrendering to the Lord, we surrender to something else, a scar. We don't want that. Yeah. Twelve ish. Right. <laughs> yeah. Order today <laughs> or else. Um, there will be other opportunities. But if you're anxious for one now, or anxious is the wrong word, but if you're feeling called into it now, still some availability there. Um, there are many other spiritual disciplines which we haven't talked about today and which we're not immediately in the mix of things. Um, and they, they aren't perhaps as simple as they might appear on the surface. Or there are degrees in, 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 in which we can take them and move into them. And so also over the next several years, you'll have opportunities to, to delve deeper into um, solitude, meditation, prayer, um, fasting. Not to lose weight, fasting. Yoda and Luke. This is where I don't, this is where I'm a bit stumped, and I haven't talked to the discipleship group about this yet, but um, what's going on there? Does anybody know? Anybody remember? Ah, huh. yeah. In the force, yes, he's his mentor in the force. Um, riding him on the back, man. <laughs> how you know, I said earlier I'm preaching to the choir here 
in a lot of ways. Um, the reality of this faith is it gets handed on because people mentor other people into the faith. I look in this room and I realize, my goodness, the wealth of wisdom and the faith witness made in this church, think about this, in this church in the last 175, almost 200 years, almost 225 years, we're coming up on 225, think of the faith witness made by those who have gone before you and those who you know right now who are still making that witness. They're in this room. Um, how do we harness um, your faith journey and your faith wisdom to help another? This is the one I don't have figured out quite yet. Even though it begins in small groups. Um, there'll be others. That's the end of that part. Thoughts or questions? Yeah, this is part two. Any questions on that? You want the mic? Oh, yeah. Do oh, yeah. Well, then they won't ask questions if I say, here's the mic. Anybody? All right. There's a whole other element of this church for which this is the most important thing. Um, you know, are we, are we throwing away Presbyterianism? Uh, no. <laughs> um, what's the problem with the way we've been organized up to now? You know, well, we need our bylaws. We need our, um, our manuals. Yes, we do. But they all need to be in the service of the kingdom of God. And that's what I think we're striking. That's the, that's the stroke we're trying to strike. Um, I'm going to tell you about session meetings two, three, four, five years ago. We would gather. We would open with prayer. We would receive the clerk's report. We'd approve our minutes. Um, we'd receive reports from the staff. Wendy and I would tell you, would justify our paychecks, what we've been doing, you know. Um, and then we would have committee reports. Um, and then we'd start looking at budget. And that's when things would start south. Um, in other words, the meetings were about what has been, read reports, and money. Make some decisions, pass some motions, but ultimately that's what the leadership of the church did. I'm pretty convinced that the, the disciples in Jerusalem, as they were getting the church off the ground and starting to run it, didn't do that. I'm, I'm pretty convinced that that was not the case. Um, rather, what they focused on as leaders of the church 
revolved around building the kingdom of God, promoting the faith, listening to God for directions to the Spirit. Um, We suspended the bylaws 19 months ago, and for some, I realized that was blasphemy in itself. I think I promised you at that time that there would be no drastic revolution. Um, And in fact, I think I'm okay to say there's been no drastic revolution. Um, We will, at our congregational meeting in October, present, the session will present new bylaws. I think there are three changes. Our bylaws, by the way, are not very complete as bylaws go, so it's easy. Um, The number of elders on session will move from 18 to 12, which has been, I think, a blessing. We've been doing it now for a couple months. It is a blessing. The dates of the congregational meetings will change. And uh, the dates that we elect or are called to elect our elders and deacons will change. That is the extent of the bylaw change. That's it. There's nothing else. So, heavy sigh of relief. We are Presbyterian. We do things decently in order, but we do them for a purpose. Your session. I, I like the picture. I, I'm, it was just in the images thing, and I grabbed it. Um, pastors what? Oh, they must be Lutherans then, because it's not a Presbyterian. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to really whip through this because it is now 13 after. Um, it's from the Book of Order. Elders individually and jointly are responsible for the spiritual welfare of the congregation. Their task is to strengthen, nurture, and encourage the people in worship, service, mission, ministry, and faith maturation. That's the job description of session. Read it a couple times, please. It's wonderful. Who are the elders? The ones we elect? Who's here that's an elder right now? Stand. Let's have you stand. These are some of them. Do I know them all? Yes, I do. (laughs) You know why? You know why? Because we have 12 of them. (laughs) Um, what we are doing now as a session is radically different and I don't know that that Les sees the whole job getting done yet but we're working on it Um, we meet at 6.30 6 we have dinner we break bread together At 6.45, we enter worship. And they are, by the way, taking turns doing the meditation, the the sermon. I don't call it sermon because it scares them. Meditation. Um, (laughs) Then we have communion together. Then we move from the chapel back in here. And um, we do what we call our time of prayer. And it's kind of a 
a wrap up of several things, but uh, we lift up, we go around the table. Who do we want to pray? Who, need, who do we know of that needs prayer? And we write down the names and then we pray for them as a body. Um, then we, you know, we receive the reports from all the ministries and we say, we've got them. It's good. You can read them some other time. We don't need them tonight. Um, Wendy and I give a little report on what we're doing and, and who's doing what. Um, we consider some motions that come before us, which they are hopefully well prepared to receive before we have a debate, because there's not much time for debate. Um, and then, then we're done with that. Then the idea is we move into this time of discernment. That's, by the way, that's a half hour. Now we've got uh, about an hour and a half, and we do several things. Discernment, to assess the ongoing purposes and effectiveness of all ministry through the lens of upward, inward, outward, uh, the Great Commission and the Gospel's call to live and be the kingdom of God. Is it working? With the combined wisdom of everybody, is it working? Or isn't it? Um, are, we, are we doing the best in every area we can to be and promote the kingdom? We take time to talk about that. Come on, there we go. Um, we will, in time, look at the budget. We won't spend a lot of time on it. Um, mostly to see if we're spending what we want to be spending on what is working. The raising of funds, the keeping track of it, is somewhere else now. And discernment. Oh, there we go again. Jeez, why am I going backwards? Visioning, there we go. This is the listening ear, you know? Sesson's job, really, is to be listening for the voice of God. Where's God leading us? Not where have we been, but where's God leading us? To keep the ear open for what God has in store for us today, tomorrow, and on. It's about our future. That's where I want my leaders thinking. I don't want them thinking about the past. I want them to learn from the past, but I don't want them living back there. I do want them listening for God's word here and now today. Is that it? That's going to be it. I'm going to pick up here next week because it's now 18 after, and I got to go. Just a, a little tidbit of information, though. We no longer have committees at Christ Presbyterian Church. We have ministries. But here's one place we borrowed from the culture that we really don't need to borrow. Um, we are all ministries. We are called uh, ministers, each of us. So we'll go with that. We'll start with this next week as we move into the whole thing of calling. Yeah. Oh, yes, your homework. You have homework. I don't need that one. <laughs> Thank you. First, your homework is to read this, to digest it. Your second piece of homework, um, you all by now, I know, have a copy of the Discipleship Team's report. That's the report that has the questions in it.
one for individuals, one for ministries. Your task this week is to digest this and to go over those questions for the individual and to begin the process of locating yourself within those questions. Um, Where are you in all of this? Where would you want to be? Uh, How do people see you as as a disciple of Christ? Take a look at them. We'll spend some time at the beginning of next week uh, talking about that, okay? Oh, well, and of course, that's a given. And of course, we would want you to see a little pain here, a little bit of expectation. Remember the box. Remember the box. Um, Begin that. If if you're like me, you're probably smart to say I'm going to do it three days this week. Uh, and then next week I'll try four days. And the week after that I'll do five days, and before I know it I'm doing five, six days a week plus Sunday. Um, give, it a, give it a chance. I gotta go. <laughs> Blessings.